The following audio is from The Well. We are a church that is committed to gospel growth, family formation, and missional engagement in Hastings, Nebraska. More information about The Well can be found at www.thewellhastings.com. We hope the message you are about to hear will spur you on to growing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be formed as a follower of Jesus, and to be engaged in the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost within the yard of hell. Larry, uh, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. There's a whole lot of things that I'm not. What I am is a contractor, a cider, uh, a carpenter. I, that's what I do for a living. What I do for my life is for the Lord. I try my very best every day to do that. Um, I've been called to be a servant of God, and I think a lot of people in this room have been called that same way. You may not know it. It may be a latent calling as you're waiting on the, the direction for that to go. When we're in that position, we are in danger. We will be attacked. We will have trouble. We will have problems. And my life is full of them. I really aim to complain. Think it's funny? I really did. What did I do? What did I do to deserve this stuff? I'm a pretty decent dad. I've worked really hard doing those things. I've done all kinds of stuff to make my business successful and things fall apart and there's still nothing I can do about it. It's not my fault. What did I do to make that so it goes that way? How come being a child of God that a mission that I tried to do fell apart, didn't work? In fact, I got injured multiple times and had to stop. Not because I wanted to stop, but I had to. Why'd that happen? Why doesn't God like me? He called me to do these things. I feel like I've been answering a call for a long time. For a long time. But he's against me all the time. Takes things away from me. I lose more stuff than I ever feel like I gain. I always feel less than and less important. I don't really believe in, in myself at all because of the things that God lets happen to. That's a lot of complaining. Lots of good reasons to complain. When I feel that way, I go to the Old Testament because the Old Testament's torturous and everybody wants to stay out of there and I love to be there because I like to torture myself because I'm not really worthy of the New Testament. The Old Testament's good enough. Right? Nobody's answering me. <laughs> Google, it's about a third, it's about the, first, the last of the first third of the Bible of Job, is who we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. And in chapter one, it, it describes Job. There was a man in the land of Uz, uh, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing, uh, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Huh? That's what I do. Uh, he had seven sons and three daughters uh, that were born to him. Better man than I am. Six was plenty for me. Uh, his possessions were 7,000 sheep and a lot of camels and oxen and a whole bunch of other stuff. He was a very, he had very many servants. And that, that man was the greatest in the land of the East. His sons used to 
used to go and feast at each other's houses. And on the day of those feasts, they'd invite their sisters, and they would each take turns having meals at their houses. But when the days of feasting were over with, and the cycle had been completed, Job would go, and he would sacrifice. Because maybe they sinned. Maybe they caused, they cursed God in their drunkenness or whatever kind of partying they were doing. He didn't know that that happened, but he did it in quarter, in a, so he could, um, so that he could cover their sin. Now, one thing you need to know, Job is the very first book in the Bible. Not placed the first in the Bible, but it's the first one that was written. Moses probably had a copy of Probably. It would be that would make it about somewhere between four and five thousand years old. How can you relate to something that's five thousand years old? Uh, it's not made out of gold or any of the other things, but um, now on, the, on those now there was a day when the sons of God came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan also was among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan said, uh, and th- uh, Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, for there is no one like him on the earth, blameless and upright and fearing God and turning away from evil. God just put a target on the back of Job. And I don't know, it, it is because he thought so highly of him, considered him worthy of the calling that he had. I'm sure of that. I don't believe it was just to put a target on him. But sometimes I feel like that's me, and just a big target on me. And, he, and then uh, Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job um, fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side. Uh, you have blessed the work of his hands and his and his possessions have increased in the, in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your power. Um, only do not put your hand on him. So Satan departed uh, from the presence of the Lord. Now, on the day when the sons of sons and daughters were drinking, uh, were eating and drinking in the, in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, Dogs were plowing in a field, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabines attacked and took them. Uh, they also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came in and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep and servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, the Chaldeans uh, formed in three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons, your daughters, 
We're eating and drinking in the oldest brother's house. Oh. Okay. That wasn't a long pause. Fingers. Ah. Uh, and behold, a great wind came across in the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. I alone escaped to tell you. Then Job rose and tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshipped and worked. He said, naked I came from my mother's room and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though Job lost, uh, though all this, or through all of this, um, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. I wish that was true. I don't feel like I blame God, but I want to know. So, and that didn't change for Job either. He wanted to know. You know, and the Lord had called all of the all of his servants together again to him, and Satan was there again. And the Lord asked him, where'd you come from? He told him, roaming around on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord asked Satan again, have you considered my servant Job? For he is the, there is no one like him on the earth, blameless and upright, an upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he has, still holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him, to ruin him without cause. Um, Satan said, "Skin for skin." Yes, if uh, if uh, all that a man has, he will give for his life. So God gave him permission. Mess with his health. Just don't kill him. Satan uh, Satan caused boils to come up on Job, and he scraped. Uh, he had to scrape them off with a pot shard. He didn't have anything else to do it with, and he sat in the ashes. And wept. While he's sitting in the ashes, his mentors, some guys that were his friends, they came and the very best thing they ever did, come and sit in the ashes with seven days. If you know somebody in your life, and you will know people in your life, if that's in the middle of mourning a great loss, the very, very best thing you can do is present. Text messages don't work. Phone calls are really just a shadow of what might help. Your presence sitting there silent for days will do more good for that person than all the words you can ever come up with. Just being there is the best remedy. That was just a little side note that um, I have to deal with a lot of I don't know, a lot of people that have um, Taking their own life and the people that are dealing. And there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can say. But if you're there, it helps. Especially being Christian men and women, Holy Spirit in us will shine and people that feel that and know that the love of Christ is real and it's there. You can be that vessel that's what we ask to be, or like Jesus, the vessel of his spirit. 
We can do that in those situations. We're going to move on to uh, Job 33. Job just spent the last 31 chapters planning and arguing with his friends, and they were they were wrongfully accusing him of sin, and he's trying to justify and, and make himself look better than what he really was, or just trying to get them to leave him alone, shut up, and be good. Um, um, when he finally talked enough and had said what he had to say, he stopped talking, and no one answered him after his last his last sins. But a young man named Elihu um, was disgusted with the way that his friends had treated him and the answers that he gave because they'd forgotten that God is still God and it was always God then and he's God now. He's the same God that they had. That same God we have now. He's going to be the same tomorrow as he was yesterday. And right now, today, he's still the same all the time. All the time, all the time. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. It's still the same God. Uh, so Elohim decided he's going to speak up. Now, uh, he says, however, now, Job, please hear my speech and listen to my words. Behold, uh, now I open my mouth and my tongue uh, and my mouth speak. My words are from the utmost, uh, from the uprightness of my heart. And my lips speak knowledge sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. Uh, array yourself before me and, and take your stand. Behold, I belong to God like you. I too have been formed out of the clay. And behold, no fear of me should terrify you, nor should my presence uh, weigh heavy heavily on you. So what I want you to understand is this is a young man. He's the youngest of the group that was around him that had an understanding and probably a fresher understanding of what was going on. He hadn't been through as many things as old guys like me have been through because the more stuff you go through, the more tainted your thoughts get and the deeper your wounds are and the healing doesn't happen really fast. I see a whole lot of really big men in here, real big, strong men. They sing songs that are way too high for big, strong men. They need to sing something with guys some beats. That's another side note. Maybe next time, huh? But big, strong men have a real problem with admitting that they're wrong and taking advice from somebody else. If I choose a group of friends that are my age and I take advice from them, that's my choice. But if a young man comes to me and says, hey, boss, I think maybe we should do it this way, I want to take offense to that. I try not to, but it happens, huh? I'm looking for a test to, to somebody to testify a little bit there. Yeah, but with that, he's, he's told them, there's nothing that you should be afraid of. My words should not be heavy on you guys at all. Not at all. The words of God should be heavy on your heart. My words shouldn't. I'm just like you on the same clay, dust, dirt that we all are. Okay. Elihu said, surely you have spoken in my hearing 
and I have heard the sound of your words, and this is what you said. I am pure without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no guilt in me. Behold, he, he, he invents, uh, uh, invents uh, pretexts against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches my, all my paths. If that's all that God did, that's all that he was. We just sang about how much God loves us. He loves us enough to give us his son to die for our sin. But if this is all that he was, if this is all that Elihu heard, I'd just be devastated. I get up and bother with him. Um, that's when I complain. Those are the words that are out of my mouth. Those are the things that I'm turning myself against God as his enemy. He's not my enemy. I've turned myself against him. The reason that I do that is because I have oiled the lack of the gift of faith that I've been given. Having after, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you have had to have the gift of faith given to you. can't create that you can't manufacture that that's why some people will hear the gospel hundreds of times and never accept it because they haven't gotten the gift of faith in god and it is a gift from god if you possess that please don't abuse it um then elihu goes on behold let me tell you you are not right in this for god is a greater than me You look around the world right now today, look at the news. The center of the youth is the center of the universe is under attack. Jerusalem, temple in Jerusalem, that's God's woods. That's the center of the universe. That's where everything began. And I don't care. Anybody can argue with that with me, and I'll find a whole bunch of people that'll argue the other side of it with me. To go along with that. Um, it's what I believe. But it's under attack, and it's under attack that's gonna that's going to not might, not maybe. The only question is when the attack against Jerusalem is what's gonna destroy the world. This may not be the time. It's been attacked for thousands of years. Always been under siege by something. This may not be it. But every time, it's more warning for us, be prepared. Be prepared. Because someday we're going to look off in the east and Christ is going to be riding on a cloud. I'm praying to God that I see. I am. And I know if I die, I'll be one of the first ones that comes to get and take home with the day. And if I do it in my flesh, that's great too. But I want to be there because I've accepted Christ, because I am his child. That's my reality. That's the hope that I look forward to. All the other stuff that I complain about on this planet doesn't thing. When that day comes, there won't be anything that's important to you at all. Even especially don't see. Um, you're going to find out 
everything's ash. Everything's garbage. It's all we through the fire. So I got off my off my tractor, and, and I'm sorry, but I can't help myself. Um, why do you complain against him? That's God. How did um, that he does not give you or does not give an account of his doings? Indeed, God speaks once or twice, and yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision, a night, when a sound sleep falls on men while their slumber is, while they slumber in their beds, then he opens their ears of men and um, steals their instruction. Does anybody else here, and this is a question I want an answer, is there anybody else in here that wakes up in the morning and knows how to solve a problem that they couldn't solve the night before? Happens to me all the time. Construction problems can be a real nightmare, especially the little intricate things that you have to get done. They have to fit right. And everything has to go together perfectly. And you try and you try and you try. And no matter how hard you try, you can't get it done. But you lay down your hammer and you walk away for a little bit, drink a cup of coffee, have some water, yell at some employee or something, and then go back in a calmer manner and look at it again and it fixes itself happens all the time watch for those things in your life because you're going to find them i just pointed it out you're going to be ready to notice those things now when that happens that's the holy spirit and that's god helping you out to make your day a little bit better you better stop and say praise the lord and an amen and a hallelujah are always always necessary When I get those instructions, when I see those instructions, sometimes I don't hear. Sometimes I'm not listening. I do not get to sleep very much. Sometimes it's two or three hours, maybe four or five. If I get six hours of sleep, I'm absolutely worthless. I just don't require a lot of of sleep, but I do require a lot of rest because I don't get That's because I let all the things I complain about take precedent over what I really should be worried about, what I really should be looking for. I don't know how to make that stuff. I just don't know how. He keeps back the soul from the pit and his life and his life from passing over to Sheol. Me. It keeps me from dying. He keeps me from being in the pit. I'm an addict and an alcoholic, and I can go into a pit that's so deep and dark, I never want to get back in there again because I've been there too many times. Too many times, and it's so hard to get back out. And I dig and I dig and I dig trying to dig my way out of that pit, and it just gets deeper. So I remember, lay down the shovel, or lift the shovel up to somebody that can pull me out of there. But he does that for us. He keeps us from death. Um, a man also chastened with pain on his bed and, uh, and with unceasing complaint in his bones so that his life loaves bread and his soul's favorite food. His flesh wastes away like uh, from sight 
and the bones which were not seen stick out. Then his soul draws near to the pit, and his life uh, to those who bring death. So, anybody been really sick? We'll go back to COVID. I knew people that had COVID that were really, really, really sick. I was not afraid of COVID. They told me to wash my hands, double up on washing my hands. I stopped. I did. They told me, stay six feet away from people. I hugged everybody that stood still. It's, it, it may be insane, but hopefully I didn't get anybody sicker than what they were. And I'm trying not to make you guys sick. I promised Joe that I wouldn't make you sicker than I found you. But, so don't tell him what I did to you, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, that that ache, that pain, my liver tried to decide to kill me one time, not too long ago. And I went jaundice from head to toe. And I was in so much pain, it, I couldn't touch myself. Laying on the bed was too much to stand. I couldn't stand up and I couldn't lay down. It was agony. And my doctor said, well, we're going to have to put you in the hospital. I said, you're not putting me in that in that hospital. I won't say the name. You're not putting me in there. And he sent me home to die. And I don't know what he told my wife, but she was prepared for me to die too. People started praying. This is God pulling me out of my own pit in the middle of all that pain and suffering. Pulled me out of that in three days. Everything about my liver that couldn't reverse had reversed completely. And I'm more healthy now than I ever have been. Because God did something because of prayer. And I know it. I still complain. I still complain. How dare I act so arrogant? If there is an angel or as a mediator for him, one out of a thousand to remind a man what, what, uh, to remind a man what is right for him, then let him be gracious to him and say, deliver, uh, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. That's the people that prayed for me. That's the people that will pray for you. I'm, I talk about physical illness, but mental illness, pain from suffering and from grief, all those things, they kill us just as fast as what physical illness can. There's a reason why the suicide rate is so high. And that's this mental anguish that comes on people. And... This country, our world, has turned their back on God and not out, not taken. If you tell somebody, I'll pray for you. Stop right then and there and do it right now. It doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store. I do it at Menards all the time because I'm there all the time. Because uh, it's the only store in town. Yeah, did the little green light come on? That's my... Yeah, I should get a bonus from that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if we stop and we if we tell somebody we're going to do that, 
And then we walk away and forget? Did we lie? Did we neglect? Is God going to punish us for it? Going to strike us with lightning and put us to death? No. But we've missed an opportunity to serve the Lord and to lift that person up. We don't know when what we say is going to change the world or if it's not. But if we have an opportunity to change one life, this planet gets it's better. We get, a, we get to see what we are actually supposed to be doing when we do that. Ah, now, I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresher than in, than in youth. Let him, let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then I will pray to God and he will accept him that he may see his face with joy and he may restore his righteousness to man. He will sing that man will sing to men and say, I have sinned and, and um, perverted what is right. And it is and it is no longer proper for me. Right there, men, use your testimony. Where God brought you out of, use that testimony and tell people the truth about you. I said men, do that. Women have a lot less trouble with it. Men are so prideful that then the sin of pride is what keeps us from serving the Lord correctly. But doing that, you know, I have sinned and perverted what is right, and it is not, and it is not proper for me. I've just let you hold me accountable to the things that I really don't want to be doing. And please do. You see me doing something stupid, not you. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. You can, all right, you can like, a little bit. Okay. Um, <clears throat> He has redeemed my soul from going down to the pit and my life shall be his, shall see his light. That means we will see the light of Christ. Behold, God does all these, um, all these often, oftentimes with men to bring back this, his soul from the pit uh, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Pay attention, O Job, and listen. Pay attention, O Larry, and listen. Keep silent. Let me speak. Then if you have anything to answer me, speak. For I desire to justify you. Um, if not, listen to me. Silent. I will teach you wisdom. Everybody in here know what the beginning of wisdom is. Let's hear it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. If we can convey that to people around us, we will be very attractive. Most Some people will loathe us, but there'll be something about us that they can't stay away from. There's something about the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of Christians, dwelling inside of people that are really looking to change their life and serve the Lord. I am nowhere close to being where I want to be. 
I want to be just like Jesus Christ, but I can't do that here. I can try as hard as I want. I can try, but I can't accomplish. It doesn't stop me from trying, and it's my goal. I like to have a lofty goal, some place to head that's a little bit farther than what I can reach. Well, being like Christ is a lot farther than what I can reach. So every step I take, I want that to be just a little closer. It's a victory. Every step that you take this one more closer to Christ, one more closer to understanding God, learn the wisdom that he has for us, that's a victory. And it's not just a tiny victory. It's a huge victory because we don't know how the universe works. We don't understand how God's realm works and operates with us. We can't know all those things. If we could, if I could, I'd screw it up. I would, because that's what I do. Pride gets in the way. Look at how much I know. Uh, okay, and then somebody comes along and tells me you didn't know so much. Things change, and I get humble. Ah. If you think the Old Testament is really useless or it is boring, tiresome, you get into some of the some of the books, and it's fourteen pages of names that you can't pronounce. And try and pronounce them anyway; it's fun. Oh, Ibajabadu. Oh, he's one of my favorites, Ibajabadu. But he only shows up once. <laughs> and, uh, but he's one of my favorites. It's fun to say. <laughs> but uh, and I, I really doubt that that's how you say it. But uh, it's what it looks like. Look, and here. If you want your relationship with Christ to be better, open this book. You know, I, a lot of people have it on their phone. A lot of people take great pride and I have it on this. I have it here and here and here, and I've got 15 different versions of the Bible right there. I have one that I can understand, and I can read, and it's paper. Only thing that's going to ruin it is fire. Because water just makes it swell. Um, but fire... Yeah, if my Bibles go through the fire, I should go with them. Go with them. But it doesn't matter where you find that. It doesn't matter how you open your heart so you be ready for what God has prepared for you. Searching for something to say today and all the things that were going on in my head, it, I landed it at this Job 33, and I was amazed at how much it spoke into my life. Uh, and I don't know if that spoke into you guys' life at all. I see some heads nodding. But we're in a bad place in our world right now. We're not, we're not in a safe place. Christians, we're on the edge of more and more persecution all the time. Kick Jesus out of school. And he, he is, okay, if you want me to leave, I'll go. Look at the school. It's nothing like it was when my teacher prayed for me. God. Every day at school, every child in the classroom, name was mentioned in prayer. Have you ever even heard about that? Some of you are so, so much younger than me, you don't even remember any time where there actually was a problem with it. But it ended. We 
mindful about our prayer. Be mindful about praying for others that are in the situations particularly the world's going to bring on. Preaching to myself again here. That's uh, about all I got to say. Remember James 4 and humble yourself or the Lord will lift you up. Thank you.